following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So we are uh, in this series called Faith at Work. We did Faith at Home for four weeks, and now we're doing Faith at Work. This is the third week uh, of this sermon series. And uh, we're talking specifically about what it means to be people of faith uh, and to live out our Christian faith in the workplace. And as I mentioned to you last week, I've been uh, reading a wonderful book by Tim Keller called Every Good Endeavor. And if you're interested in, in going deeper with these ideas, I highly recommend that book. Really, really good stuff. Um, Keller actually comes from a different little segment of the church, a different tradition, some, some theology, uh, some finer points of theology on, on which he and I would probably disagree. Um, but that's perfectly okay. He's a wonderful, wonderful preacher and pastor and writer. So I, I commend his, his writing to you particularly. Um, so we've been kind of using his book, uh, you may not have picked up on this if you haven't read the book, but we've been using that book to kind of be a springboard for this conversation and this topic and how we as a community can engage it in a way that's, that's helpful to us and our, our kind of particular character, if you will. So in the first week of the series, uh, we talked about work in paradise, how, um, how doing good work is inherent to our created nature. It's part of who God made us to be. And in doing good work, we actually co-labor with God to bring about human flourishing and a good world. But then we talked in the the second week, last week, about the curse of sin, a message called Toil and Thorns, where we said that like everything else in the world, work is under the curse of sin. Distinct from being work is the curse of sin, work is under the curse of sin, and so um, all the different ways that sin affects our world from, um, from kind of very general ideas, that just, I use the phrase cosmic entropy, how things fall apart, the center does not hold, that sort of thing. Um, the specific sins of other people, but also our own specific sins and failings. How all of that um, decays and destroys and inhibits and harms the work that we want to do and that we need to do and that we're called to do. And one of the things I said last week is that we can't do anything about any sin except our own. Yes, your coworker might be stealing pens from the supply cabinet, but you can't really do anything about that. You certainly shouldn't until you take care of the the two-by-four in your own eye, to paraphrase Jesus. Um, That the way we deal with sin, as I mentioned earlier, is to repent, to turn away from those wrongdoings, to turn away from that, that kind of inherent tendency toward self-absorption and pride, to repent of it and to kneel before Jesus as our king. To, to step under the waterfalls of grace, as I said last week. That's how, that's how we deal with our own sin. Ultimately, it's really about letting God deal with our own sin. But... I'm going to backtrack a little bit on that this week because I don't actually think it's true, ultimately, that we can only do something about our own sin. Because just as the ideal of work in paradise was for people to co-labor with God and bringing about order and flourishing to the world that he made, there's also an opportunity for us to co-labor with God in bringing about the redemption of the fallen world under the curse of sin. 
Does that make sense? The Christian storyline is actually um, fairly simple, easy to understand, um, if not always easy to accept and apply. This is the Christian storyline. The whole world is good. The whole world is fallen. And the whole world is going to be redeemed. That's that's the story of the gospel. The gospel word um, means the message. The good news is sometimes how it's said. That's, That's the message about the world that Christianity offers. The whole world is good. The whole world is fallen. The whole world will be redeemed. And our work is one of the places where the whole story of the gospel is clearly laid out. The innate potential for goodness, the profound frustration of the curse, and the possibility of wonderful redemption. And you can see that whole Christian storyline played out in your workplace every day if you look for it. And more importantly, you can participate in bringing it about, that third part especially. Actually, you can participate in the fall if you'd like. (laughs) You can make it worse, and you do. (laughs) The point of this message about bringing the gospel to bear at work is to bring that good news, that message, that Christian storyline, into our workplace. What does that mean? What happens when the rubber really uh, meets the road with this faith at work stuff? Well, let me tell you what I think you're terrified I'm going to say. And then I will uh, reassure you that that's not what I'm going to (laughs) say. And then I'll say what I do want to say. What you're terrified I'm going to say is that bringing the gospel to bear at work means you are going to tell all your coworkers that they're sinners and that you are going to lead them to personal faith in, in Jesus Christ and that you are then going to start a Bible study that meets uh, before work hours every day and invite them all to be part of it. That's step one. And then step two is you're going to work really hard to advance your career so you can make as much money as possible so that when you tithe 10%, now that's off the pre-tax amount, you can... You can Put money in the coffers of the church. That's the two-step process that you were terrified I was going to say, weren't you? Let's be honest. Save all your coworkers and make lots of money and give it to us. <laughs> right? That's how you bring the gospel to bear at work. Let's pray. <laughs> now, I want to be cautious here. I'm, I'm being flippant, and you're picking that up in my tone. I can tell. <laughs> I actually think all those things are great. If you're the kind of person who's a gifted evangelist, and you can share your faith in a way that's compelling to people, uh, like specifically by telling them that they're sinners and they need Christ's redemption, and that they, that they, they come to a faith in Christ as a result of that, if you're the type of person who's wonderful at leaving, leading Bible studies at 6.30 in the morning for your coworkers and inviting them to it, if you're the type of person who's very generous and um, also very successful and you want to make lots of money and give some of it to the church, all of those things are perfectly wonderful things. But the problem is they are not in themselves what it means to bring the gospel to bear at work because there's plenty of people who do those types of things, not all of it probably, but one or more of those little things, actually big things, but they're not living out the potential that they could. 
they are not really being agents of the gospel in the workplace. Because the gospel is about so much more than a moment of personal salvation. The gospel is about the redemption of the whole world. So that's what we're trying to bring to bear at work by bringing the gospel into the workplace. The redemption of the whole world. It's a little bit of a taller order, actually. So what I want to do is present you with a, a little bit of a thought process that you can maybe go through um, to, to figure out for yourselves how you might be a part of this, how you might um, take steps toward bringing the gospel to bear at work. And I'm going to go, uh, against my better judgment probably, completely off notes for this part because here's the thing. I had to call plumbers and city water authority guys like 100,000 times this week. And what I wrote down is not actually, um, I think, it doesn't actually live up to the passion that I actually feel for this topic. This sermon in this series is something that I've been looking forward to since the middle of May when our leadership team got together and uh, um, planned out our ministry year, including this series. And uh, it just so happens that I kind of got hosed a little bit on the preparation of it this week. That pun was very much intended. Um, <clears throat> nobody laughed, so I had to tell you. Um, but I feel like I have enough, probably way more than enough, actually, uh, just kind of in my heart about this idea that I just want to share with you. And so if I mumble and stumble and try to like get the wrong words here and there, please forgive me, but I, I just want to give you this as best I can. Is that okay? Can we go like that? All right, and if I get close to like lunchtime, just <laughs> wave me down. So here's the thing. In order to bring the gospel to bear at work, I think the process starts um, the same way, with the same kind of uh, application about what we said about sin earlier, right? So you can't deal with the sin of the whole world all at once. You can't deal with the sin of each one of your individual coworkers all at once. You have to deal with your own sin first, right? We talked about that last week. I think a similar thing happens here, where you can't, um, you, you can't worry about bringing about the redemption of the, the world without kind of a- adjusting your own personal attitudes toward work first, okay? So if you have, um, uh, this is where I would have come up with a, a gentler term, but I didn't. If you have an attitude problem at work, uh, I think that I may be able to help you with that with a couple of verses. So let's look at uh, Colossians 3.17, um, which I did think I had enough to put on the screen, um, but I didn't bring a Bible up with me, so I'll have... 958, thank you, Dell. <laughs> is it not up there, Elliot? Oh, that's weird. Oh, hey, look at that. <laughs> note, the, note the emphasis in this text, the, italics, the italicized words. And whatever you do, thank you, Grant. I'll just pretend I'm reading straight from the Bible when actually I'm reading across the, the screen on the back wall. No. Um, <laughs> whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay? So, step one of reorienting your attitude about work is, is this concept, that whatever you do, word or deed, home or work, waking or sleeping, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? And you could take that a step further. If you're in a, if you're in a more menial type of job, um, one that maybe you're really having trouble finding any joy in and finding any... Um, any kind of sense of the gospel being remotely present, you could look ahead a few verses where Paul talks to uh, slaves, 
right? Verse 22 of that same chapter. Obey your earthly masters in everything, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it. And here's the key. As done for the Lord and not for your masters. All right? So if you're having trouble with this verse on the screen, just kind of abstractly saying, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I'm just like, what did I, I clean like fast food fry machines for a living? I don't think Jesus cares. Well, I think I can adjust that too. But first, you have to start with yourself. If you can't get to that place, go the next step and say, I am cleaning Jesus's fast food fry machine. <laughs> Right? This trick works, by the way, with every, every corner of life, every relationship you have. If you have a, a spouse or a, a, a significant other or a roommate or a child or a parent or a neighbor or a boss or a subordinate, any of that stuff, if you actually do the work for that person as if you were doing it for Jesus, it becomes so much easier, right? Like if the, the truth is, if, if Tracy asks me to take the garbage out, I can roll my eyes a little bit. We've been together a long time, and I don't, I'm not proud of that fact, but it's very easy for me to go, ugh, fine, right? Sometimes I have to stop and think, what if Jesus had asked me to take the garbage out? I mean, seriously, would I have rolled my eyes at Jesus? Fine guy who saved my, my soul and the entire universe. I will take this one little tiny bag of garbage out 20 feet to the curb. I wouldn't. Right? So the same trick kind of can work for you at your workplace. So if you start by reorienting your own attitudes a little bit with, with these concepts, I think that's the first step. And then what I would suggest as a process is to think about that Christian storyline. Remember what I said? The whole world is good. The whole world is. And the whole world is going to be redeemed. Good, fallen, and redeemed. I think if you were to stop uh, and sit down for half an hour and think about your workplace, you might be able to identify uh, little strands of all three of those ideas uh, wherever you work. Right? Even if it's cleaning out fast food fry machines. Right? I know it's a little trickier there. Let me give you an example. Um, and I thought to myself, I'll pick a job that nobody at Artisan has. And then there is somebody at Artisan who has this job but I'm going to try it anyway. Sorry, Johnny. Um, imagine you're a farmer. <laughs> I thought this would be safe, right? A bunch of artists and tech nerds. Surely there's not a far- Oh, there is. Oh, well. <laughs> got doctors, nurses, artists, computer engineers, and a farmer. <laughs> um, so you correct me if I'm wrong afterward, Okay. <laughs> If you're thinking about farming, it's probably uh, easy to see how, in some ways, the world is good. You plant a seed, the crop comes up, it can be used for food. That's like straight out of Genesis 2, 1 and 2, right? But sometimes the plant doesn't take root. Sometimes it does, and there's blight. Sometimes somebody might come and steal your crops. you think about the workers on farms in most of the world, you could do a similar thing. Right? People are good, um, but the bosses sometimes take advantage of them. 
and the working conditions are not good. So as a farmer, how can you be an agent of that redemption? Right? Well, you can, you can come up with different methods and ways to improve the success of your crops. I think that it's actually part of co-laboring with God to redeem a broken world. I'm sorry if that seems too highfalutin and lofty to you, but I think that's actually what is going on. Whether, whether or not the farmer is a Christian, might I say, in the case of uh, labor concerns, I think it's very clear that we who um, identify with the gospel, we who have a theological commitment to the fundamental equality of all people as made in the image of a good and loving God, we are the ones who ought to be working for justice um, when it comes to, to people being exploited and laborers not being paid a fair wage and all the rest of that. So that in uh, maybe two and a half minutes is how I see, almost literally off the top of my head, how this kind of uh, three-stage story that Christianity teaches can be lived out in the workplace and expressed in the workplace and embraced when appropriate and uh, turned away from when appropriate. Does that, did you track with me through that? Um, so here's what I want to do. I actually want to give you each a chance, not out loud, because we don't have time for that, but I want to give you a moment to stop and think about these, these three parts of the Christian story in your specific workplace, whether you work in a hospital or a cube farm um, or at home, anywhere in between. I'm going to lay out each of these three things, and if you're a person who likes to write things down or tap them into your phone take some kind of notes. I really do want each person in our community to begin to think about this story of bringing the gospel to bear at work. And so I'm going to give you a chance in a minute to, I'm going to give you time for each of those three things and, and uh, we'll see where we're at with time after that. And then what will happen next week is we're going to have a panel discussion up here during the sermon time. I'm still looking for a couple of participants, so if you're a person who's been thinking this through and wants to be part of it, you can come and volunteer. Um, I may come and seek you out also if, uh, if I don't get enough people to volunteer. But we're going to have uh, an actual conversation with some people about how they, they want to do this, how they see it working in their industry and um, what struggles they have, what successes they've had, and, and everything in between. And then the most fun of all, I think, will be the following week when... Um, no, I'm sorry. It's not two weeks. See, I would have written this down. It's the same week. We're going to do it during the sermon, and then after worship, we're going to have a potluck. I, thought, I was like, how's this going to work out? We're going to be in Lent. Um, we're going to have a potluck lunch together, and we're going to seat according to vo- vocationals, vocational categories, according to our industries. You're going to s- sit with people at lunch who are in the same field as you, and you're going to have a conversation about that with them. Yes, Grant? If you go to elementary school, you can sit with other elementary school students and talk about this and Legos. <laughs> Sound good? All right. Because the truth is, Grant and everybody, that people of all ages can and should do this kind of thought exercise and have these conversations. And we all think of it on different levels and for different reasons, but that's, we're all part of the same community. So I do want you to participate with this. So thank you for asking. 
let's start with just a few moments of reflection for yourself. What industry do you work in? You have, your, you have the picture of your workplace. You have a picture of the people who work with you. You have the picture of what you are trying to accomplish. In what ways do you see the inherent goodness of God's creation in your workplace? What's the equivalent for you of the fact that when you put a seed in the ground, it, it grows into a useful crop? Think about that for a minute. Write it down if you'd like. Now I'd like you to think about ways that you see evidence of the fall, the curse of sin. How is that, um, how is that evident in your workplace? What things fall apart? What doesn't hold together? Where do you see dishonesty and pride and self-aggrandizement? corrupting the goodness that's present in that place. Whether it's cosmic entropy, other people's failures, or your own. The whole world is good, the whole world is fallen, the whole world will be redeemed. Now this is, this is where things get serious for you. This third question, the third part of that story, in your workplace, where do you see opportunities for God's redemption to take root and flourish? Whether it's a restoration of what was good and has been lost, whether it's a bringing about of something new, whether it's bringing order to that which is in chaos. The challenge, of course, is, is how do you make that third part a reality? What role do you play in bringing that about? And I really want to stress this point. I think that you play a role in that, no matter what your job is. 
how can you see your work as an opportunity to serve other people? I think you can do that in almost any field. How can you see your work as, a, as an opportunity in some small way, even for just a moment, to bring about a little bit more goodness, a little bit more of that human flourishing that we've talked so much about in your workplace, no matter what you do? I really, really, truly believe that every person is called to be part of this work, and God wouldn't call you to something that, that you can't have any part in doing. So, throughout this week... I'd like to ask you to keep looking for those things. Keep looking for where this is, this is evidence of an innately good original creation. Because that's not totally gone. That's, it's fractured, but it's still, still visible. Be looking for ways, uh, for, for evidence of the, of the curse of sin. Proof of, of the fall. And then be looking for ways that you can join in God's work of redemption in your workplace whether you work in a, you know, uh, I, I, like a, a social work, church, nonprofit kind of world where, you know, your whole organization's mission is to bring about good, or whether you work for a cold corporate um, Fortune 100 company whose sole mission seems to be about making lots and lots and lots and lots of money, um, no matter what the cost, or anywhere in between. I really think this is a message for everybody to, to engage with and think about. And we're going to give you more chance to do that next week. Um, <clears throat> well, let's close there for now. And uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, uh, you who created the world and everything in it, and called it good. Help us to see the goodness in our workplaces. You who articulated the curse of sin and said that there would be toil and thistles. Help us when we find ourselves encountering them to know what it is we are encountering. You who took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood with us to take on our sin and that of the entire world and redeem it. Help us to be co-laborers with you in the redemption of our workplaces. Not just about helping people find personal salvation, but but about finding a return to your intended purposes, your good purposes for the world. May we be a part of that as we co-labor with you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's um, now respond to God's word and the Spirit's call by coming to the communion table. Our table is open to all who would seek to follow Jesus in this place. Uh, at Artisan, we tear off bread and dip it in one of the cups. We have both wine and juice, whichever is more appropriate for you and for your family. If you'd like to have your children take communion with you, that is okay to do here as well. If you'd like to take communion by yourself before you do that, just don't forget to go get them. Um, because I may have gone a little bit long, and the teachers are probably um, 
ready for you to come retrieve your children. Um, we also uh, will have prayer here with a number of the prayer team. If you'd like personalized prayer right now, today, you can receive that here. And we'll continue to sing and worship God in that way as well. Our table is open. Respond to God's call. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.